Welcome aboard Art Bus, booth 45, destination Arlington Mill. The base fare is $2 for this bus. Before we get started here, I should warn you that most of this episode takes place on city streets. It's loud. Victoria and I live at one of the busiest intersections of South Arlington. Some of the loudness penetrates our new apartment's windows, mainly the sirens and the buses, but the only bus sounds that reach inside are what I call their chuckles. Did you hear it? Like Santa. It's the call of the wild. Even in our apartment, two stories up, it calls me to public spaces. I'm Bryce Tolpin. Are we going on the bus? We're going to take the bus. I gotta, oh, you know what? I'm going to get a couple dollars for you. I hope I have dollar bills, though. I have dollar bills. Do you? You need yeah. two dollar bills, perhaps. I'm picking up our daughter, yeah. Bethany, in Virginia Square. The train ride from her home in Silver Spring has left her Metro card with only 50 cents. On the boost? Yeah, if, you, if your card doesn't work. If my card doesn't work. The boost. It's the boost. The boost is taking us to Victoria's in my apartment on Columbia Pike. Bethany is dragging along a small suitcase full of beautiful new books wrapped in hand towels. The books are about her new passion, interior design. My latest read? 101 Things I Learned in Urban Design School. So you make public spaces, and I'll make, I'll make homes. Yeah. I'll make private spaces. But homes can also be like a center for um, community, your own little community. I don't know if I have $2 on my card. Let's see if it works. Yeah. First the The card. Value too low. There's even like a two, like if you're texting. I have $2 in cash. Will that work? The bus won't take Bethany's crumpled dollars. Do I put it in there? There it goes. Oh, here's, I have a crispier bill that might work better. Is that slightly crispier? There we go. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Oh, touch it again. The bus takes her crispy bills. The lead editorial in the current Gazette Leader argues that Arlington buses should not be free. The reason? Even though the fares don't recoup the cost of collecting them, free rides would encourage the homeless. Arlington would become like other jurisdictions where the otherwise homeless make buses their home. But I've seen lots of homeless people on Arlington's buses. On really cold days, they pay their fares and sit with all their belongings. I've never seen one homeless person get off the bus. They don't, I don't know about those machines on the front of the bus. Yeah, they're tricky. They don't seem it's... to be working great. This podcast episode examines public spaces from above and below, from a distance and from close up. I talked to Bethany about the spaces she designs, and I talked to an Arlington panhandler about the public space he claims on a median strip. I also talked to my neighbor, who sometimes stays at our bus stop shelter. Now, how did you end up picking this neighborhood? Oh, yeah. I, 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 went to, I had friends and family here. Friends and family, and I went to school. 
Right. So that that's what it is, either shopping or spiritual um, gatherings or spiritual gratuitous. Right. So, I'm getting to know Carol, which isn't her real name. We like to talk about the spiritual and material support she gets in our neighborhood. Carol has already taught me a different side of Jesus' saying that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I wonder about her use of Arlington's buses. Do you often, do you ride the bus very much? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Not too much, but sometimes, a little bit, yeah. And when you ride, do you ride it sometimes just to stay warm or sometimes to back get places? Back and forth, yeah, back and forth, get places I need to go. Yeah, to get places. Uh-huh. Do you ever do it to stay warm? Just to get out of the element a little bit? Uh, maybe once in a while, but not all the time. No. Not a whole, not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, this kind of episode calls for an epigraph. It's from Psalms. It speaks of the public spaces we can make, spaces that invite unanticipated uses. The sparrow has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of Hosts, my King and my God wanted to create something beautiful. At Bethany's senior art show at Kenyon, she did create something beautiful. She fit small blue lights into a galaxy of organic-looking clay shapes. I had like someone come up to me afterwards and be like, oh my god, yours was like the best in the show. And I was like, thanks. Yeah. And I personally also agreed with them. Bethany suspects that she didn't get a best-in-show designation because of a fundamental difference she had with her art professors. They wanted to see the visual expression of abstract ideas, while Bethany wanted people to encounter beauty. Of course, I'm siding with my daughter on this one. Because you created a space that people could exist in. Mom and I, yeah. Mom and I uh, went around the side and just uh, lay down on the um, floor with our heads against the wall and stared at it. And it was so dark in there that people coming through didn't see us immediately so we got to hear their comments and there was a lot of <gasps> a lot of ooing and eyeing oh, going on but like even now like yeah. 10 years later or whatever it is like warms my heart so much yeah. i'm so proud of that piece it felt so peaceful and so yeah. magical and like everyone i mean i guess people don't tend to tell you if they don't like it but everyone talked to me about it loved it yeah um, and I was so proud of it and it was so well, see, everything else was like something to look at and sometimes you couldn't go in it and be yeah. part of it and yours was a space that you could enter and you interact with yeah you were in the space and it surrounded you <laughs> Bethany and I get into a discussion of the viewers experience in spaces one of her interior design books mentions the high modernist architect Le Corbusier, which makes me pull out urban designer Jeff Speck's book, Walkable City. Speck points out that some of the most beautiful modern architecture, such as Spain's Guggenheim Bilbao, discourages street life. Yeah, he does so make a point that this, this building actually works better as a sculpture than as a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it looks better at a distance. It looks better at a distance when you can see the whole thing. Um, when you're in the exterior, but you're close up to it. It's sort of it's, like... It's sort of... Just a wall. It, it's not scalable. It's just, it's just they're saying, why are you so close to me? Yeah. You know, either you're inside it or you're far away, but there's no... There's no space around it. There's no it. space around it. It's not even given... There's no thought 
to that except to scrape the landscape to to provide a, a place to show it off yeah because it is once again treated more like a sculpture than a thing people are going to approach and inhabit yeah spec suggests that the guggenheim bilbao's architect frank gary was dismissive of public spaces Le Corbusier, for his part, hated public spaces, according to James C. Scott in his book, Seeing Like a State. Le Corbusier was well-meaning. He redesigned entire cities to suggest ways to help the city's inhabitants out of poverty. Scott points out that in Le Corbusier's redesign of both Rio de Janeiro and Paris, his perspective is not of someone in his model cities, but of someone far above and outside of them. From this distance, he observed also the Paris of the mid-1930s and its slums. Its occupants, Le Corbusier said, are, quote, a black clot of misery, of failure, of human garbage, close quote. Citing the Roman Empire, Le Corbusier warned of the threat of revolution to the city's authorities. St. Paul of Tarsus was impossible to arrest while he stayed in the slums, Le Corbusier lamented and the words of his sermons were passed like wildfire from mouth to mouth. Le Corbusier liked street grids. Rulers like grids, Scott says. It's easier to control the population from above if the roads are in neat grids. When we moved to Arlington six months ago, we noticed that the road name suggested grids, but Le Corbusier would not be happy with Arlington's street map. Many of the streets are numbered, like 2nd Street and 10th Street, but the streets kind of come and go. The other streets were mostly the same way. There's a latent wildness about Arlington streets. We were renting a basement, an Airbnb on South Joy Street. South Joy starts at Arlington Cemetery, heads south and becomes 15th Street, a four-lane highway that burrows beneath 10 overpasses at I-395. It almost reaches Alexandria, but it gets lost. If you're looking for it, you find South Joyce again, but south of the long, busy South Joyce. This second South Joyce is a cul-de-sac, but our Airbnb was on a third South Joyce, right against Alexandria, where it ends at South Glebe, forming a T intersection. That T is less than 200 feet from a major controlled intersection, making our little intersection almost impossible to use. Victoria still remembers the experience of trying to turn on to South Joyce from South Glebe. Nine times out of ten when you would go, you'd get ready to turn into the, onto the street, Joyce Street, somebody would be blocking the intersection. It was yeah. very frustrating. And I never hid my frustration, so I'm lucky I didn't get shot in the head. But I guess they don't do that here in Arlington, I don't know. They beep a lot. They do beep a lot. But I wasn't beeping, I was gesturing and frustrated. Not shooting the bird or anything, it was just, look, pointing to the sign and shaking my head. And the do not block intersection sign? Yeah. Yes! There's a big sign that says, do not block the intersection. And it's not like it's that few inches is going to give them any advantage in getting to where they're going any faster. Right. And it would just be very polite if they didn't block the damn intersection like the sign said. But, oh, no. But I don't know if that speaks to anything to Arlington as much as our society, that we just don't respect 
We don't respect authority. Maybe I'm wrong. Where I see a healthy anti-authoritarian street layout, Victoria sees selfish drivers who won't respect authority. I'm always trying to put words in people's mouths. But I'm not real happy with the drivers either. One afternoon back then, I tried to take the left across Glebe onto South Joyce. Everyone in the opposite direction has ignored the sign, turning the intersection into a parking lot. But the panhandler who occupies the median along Glebe between the two intersections helps me out. He steps between the cars, signaling for two of them to pull up some and for the two behind them to back up some. The four drivers comply. His authority parts the cars. I pull through. I also immediately park the car, grab a 20 from the glove compartment, and recross Glebe on foot. I meet my Moses on his median strip. Um, but somehow you got him to move out of my way. How did, you, how did you do that? I do that by me being in the driver's seat of another person's life. Yeah. So everybody is in my corner with my name. Yeah. So when people ride past, I think of them as me. And if they're struggling, then I help the people to get through where they got to go because that's the same I want for me. Wayne, not his real name, is holding a sign asking for donations for karate lessons because he's been jumped um, a lot. I, I don't want this to frighten people about my stories because they really, some people might think I'm loony or crazy, you know, I'm trying to keep, well, I, I mean, I'm willing to put my hand on the Bible in front of the camera. And microphones to prove my point about what I'm going through and what I've been through in life. I come up a hard life. My daddy been shot in front of me. I have a lot of stories that it seems like I get like diarrhea of the mouth when I tell them. I know but the I, advice. They're so, they're so the Arlington police suggest we not give money to panhandlers. An official at Path Forward, which partners with Arlington County to serve the homeless, the same official I later asked to look out for Carol tells me the same thing. The money a lot of panhandlers raise feeds drug or alcohol addictions. Of course, I can't verify Wayne's account of what he does with the money. But Wayne has a better sense of public space than did Gary or Le Cabousier. Now, what brought you to this intersection? This intersection was lonely. It was lonely like me inside. I'm a dark person. The space uh, in front of the Guggenheim Bilbao is lonely. Le Corbusier's street grids are empty of public life. But Wayne brings street life. When he helped me out, he brought the authority of a new public realm to an intersection of private automobiles. But I'd probably leave it because I'm like an errand boy, envoy for yeah. God. You know, I think Wayne is an envoy from God, like St. Paul of Tarsus, like the homeless people on Arlington's buses, like the sparrow and the swallow, like Carol, and like Bethany who, on our way back to the bus, found some good things to say about her former art professors. Though, you know, aside from their um, snobbish attitude, mm -hmm. they were actually rather nice people. Pretty cool. Yeah. At the bus stop shelter, Bethany talks about public elements that she could bring into her interior design. Um, some of it would look like kind of primitive art. Some of it would look like it was very like a artsy collector sort of style, yeah. as opposed to someone wanting to have a like a cohesive, like calm and peaceful atmosphere. It was very like interesting and different and unexpected, and it felt like you were kind of in an art gallery. Yeah. And some of it was like. Did you hear that? I don't know if I like that. Did you hear huh? that? 
Did you hear that? The bus chuckling? No. I still don't hear it. I'm not. Perhaps I'm not blessed with the bus whispering abilities that it's chuckling. you seem to perceive. Chortling, to perhaps. Possess. The chortling of the bus. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Public Spaces. On our next episode, we'll visit with Adam Henry, who is currently serving as Amazon's first artist-in-residence in their new Arlington offices. Adam creates public space by sketching strangers in outdoor places and coffee shops and then using the strangers' likenesses as a way to meet them. Until then...